The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? From a society that cares more about productivity than anything else. What can possibly be done for a place where millions of people don't have a single friend? We've built a society that is not designed for human happiness. Today, we begin looking for solutions. All that, and a tale or two from a wedding. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 230. Once again, beautiful Ojai winter, can you call it? It's pleasant, dappled sunshine through the sky. Daniele Bellelli right next to me. And we have a pretty intense episode. This is... Uh, we're going to chat about loneliness and the pervasiveness in our society, and then we're going to talk about a wedding. So it's sort of a wacky uh, dichotomy. Right. That's from one end to the other. Yeah, it totally is. Yes, indeed. Before we get going, quick thank you to Sure Design T-shirts for always being in our corner. They have been fantastic to us. So if you need a T-shirt or you want to check out some incredible designs, check out Sure Design T-shirts. Also, shout-outs to, I just received a care package from occultherbsandtonics.com. Again, that's occultherbsandtonics.com. Family business. They are. They just got started, and they make these great things that you can either use as uh, rubs on your steak or herbs mixes that you can use for cooking, for salads, for high-quality, sweet people. Uh, just getting started, Drunken Taoist listeners. So if you want to check them out, that's occultherbsandtonics.com. While we are at it, let's give a shout out to the folks keeping the drunk in the Drunken Taoist. That would be Om Sellers and materawines.com. If you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. That is always deeply appreciated. And if you want to support in more direct fashion, here are the sweet folks who have parted with their hard-earned money to keep us in business. Let the pottering begin. So today we say a thank you to Stephen McKee, Daniel Fischel, Frederick Hahn, Jonathan Waterloo, Chris Treshbal, Keegan Walsh, Ryan Marklin, Stephen Notariani, Lisa Robles, Nick Zunik, Aistis Juska, John Vergara, Nicola Togni, Joseph Lord, JP Cherry, Thomas Robinson, and Eric Sigler or Sagler, or I have no idea how to pronounce your last name, but I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. Absolutely, George George. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, this will be out in time for a few days before Christmas. So if you are desperate for a present, for especially for a, a, a persnickety niece or nephew, Kiva donation cards, you can send their first $25 loan, and the only way they can get to their money is to loan it and then get it back. And hopefully they'll be so amazed by this uh, transaction that they may just continue to let that money go. But the most exciting thing is we are now a few thousand dollars away from $200,000 in loan from our fine Drunken Dallas, Team Drunken Dallas at Kiva. So Kiva.org, an excellent way to uh, get that last second gift. You can actually just send it to them over the email if you've forgotten. And I hope everybody has a good holiday for sure. And beyond that, I can't think of much too else. Let's roll. Okay, my man, I'll tell you a story. I love stories. I was on a flight. Okay, let me preface before I was on a flight. One theme that, if you have been paying attention, keeps coming up a lot in our episodes among the many of... Like, there are a few, right? There's that dozen themes that keep popping up. One of the ones that we hammer on is communication. How so much of it depends the way you communicate can really change dramatically your interactions with people, your reality, your experience. And I had a perfect example on a recent flight where I'm like at the very, very, very last row on the flight. Right. And in come this guy with his little kid, he's probably a year and a half, two years old. He's uh, going to be crying the entire time. So that's fine. That's understood. And he goes in and he has a window seat and middle seat. And he asks a lady if I think they can switch seat or something. I don't know if he is asking her to move to the window or he's asking her for his wife who's in a different seat to come sit there. Right. But across the aisle, there's the lady's husband. And she's like, ah, actually, I would like to sit together. So not really, you know. And it's understandable. And so... And the guy says, I think you're going to regret it because we're going to be getting up every other minute here with this kid. The flight attendant does not like it because, and to me, that's like on the guy's part, there was one mistake, right? Saying, he hasn't said anything bad. I like the way the flight attendant will take it, which she did take it bad. But like, well, actually, let me just tell you how they do it. And then now, so the flight attendant comes in and is all like, that was really rude. You, you, like, don't tell her you're going to regret it, like you're threatening her. Just don't come at her like that. When the threat, it was a promise. You know? And pretty much. He was like, hey, I'm just being realistic here. And she was just like hammering on it, going like, well, that was really rude. He doesn't like it because he's feeling insulted. So he starts talking shit to the flight attendant. Oh. Flight attendant is like, hey, I didn't like how you were being aggressive with her. Guy say, I wasn't being aggressive with her. I'm being aggressive with you. <laughs> flight attendant say, oh, really? Let's get you removed off the flight. So you and your kid can pack your bags and head out because I'm not going to take any of your shit here. So very quickly, it escalated pretty bad, right? And I'm sure he took that well. Eventually actually flight attendant took a minute 
to like actually she called to have him removed right but took a minute to think about it talk to the lady was like eh, i don't think he's a much of a problem i think he's gonna be let's see but i think he's gonna be okay Flight at the guy then eventually minutes later went in didn't exactly apologize but tried to be a little more human and then they just flight attendant was like okay fine truce we're good and then the people arrived to remove you and they were like no no we're good it's fine let's let it go what's well, a victory for humanity but you are real close right yeah and to me so why do i hammer on this is the communication aspect like the guy when he walked in rather than saying you're gonna regret it which is ambiguous you know i don't think he was that bad but it could be phrased better exactly i think if the guy Poor said choice of words man i'm so sorry then because um my kid is gonna get up every moment uh, i apologize in advance um, that's why i proposed it but i understand you want to sit close to your husband so sorry about this is how it's gonna be nobody would have an issue right yep. conveys the same message tweak it a tiny bit not a problem so he kind of fucks up there flight attendant fucks up because she comes in too strong too quick he hasn't said anything that bad he said something that was almost borderline but not really right, right. still and by telling him you are being rude uh, i mean what how do you think he's gonna react he's gonna get defensive right he's yep. gonna be like what rude me how the fuck he is then damn rather than saying you know what sorry i didn't mean it that way um i apologize if that came across that way that was not my intention um and then flight attendant would go okay cool whatever he goes like i'm not being aggressive with you i'm aggressive with you which is like and then he was like okay off the plane you go <laughs> so to me like watching it from like the seat behind was watching a whole series of misopportunities of communication like they both could have done a much better job now, the situation turned out into nothing, but it could have easily turned out into the guy getting removed from the plane, his two-year-old kid having to spend an extra day in chaos and horror and bullshit. Why? Because neither one of them was any good at communication. And I'm like, man, thinking a little bit at how words come across and how they could be perceived and how else you could say the exact same thing in a way that makes come across as less abrasive and less edgy and pushing somebody else's button and if they do call you on it without backing down in terms of substance but you can back down about tone it's like hey you know did not mean it like the way you interpret it so if that's what i did apologies that's not what it was meant this is what i was trying to say and nobody can have an issue at that point and this is a case where people actually hurt each other right what about places where a syllable gets missed. Yeah, or yeah, sinks can get... And in fact, it was good on both of them that they actually resolved it, even though they brought it right at the edge of making <laughs> it a bad deal and not... So I, I thought it was fascinating because watching them, like, I could see the way he's thinking and he's not a bad guy, but he's expressing himself very poorly. I see the way she's thinking and she's trying to be protective of a poor lady who is a customer and is trying to hey don't talk to her like that but again she's overshooting it a little bit and so it was fascinating because like i see the way your mind is working i see the way your mind is working you are both right in a way and you are both expressing yourself very poorly in a way that's not gonna lead to a good outcome so anyway just purely for fun the paying attention to communication always uh i find it fascinating 
the way strategy plays out. And communication is truly one of humanity's superpowers. Or downfalls. Exactly. Right? Depending on how you use it. Yes. So yeah, that was that was an interesting one. But okay, this was an aside. Back to um or rather not back because we haven't even started it, but on to the main point. Excellent. One of the themes, another one of the themes that we dance around often, but I would like to go a little deeper today. I saw a statistic the other I saw two headlines the other day. One was a statistic, one was just a headline. Statistic number one, are one in 10 women in US and one in seven men in US report not having a single friend. We're not talking about people who have shitty friends, whose friends are really not there in their day-to-day life, whose friends you talk to them four times a year kind of thing. We're talking zero friends, 0.0, no one. Wow. That's 10% of women and almost 15% of men. Is this been tracked over time or is this kind of a first time? worse. Considerably getting worse. They say typically, um, like even now, like a large number of people, the ones that do report having a friend, they say they have like one or two friends. Back in the 70s was like at least three times as much. Yeah, that and, seems right. And so not that long ago, you know, maybe 50 years and the decline is sharp. This is, go- oh, and I'll tell you the other headline. This is almost funny, except... Um, Old dude over 80 years old who ended up becoming the getaway driver for a gang. I think they made a movie actually on this story, but like he becomes a getaway driver for a gang because he was lonely. So <laughs> he started <laughs> talking to people one thing led to fellas. another and he's like, well, sure, I'll be your getaway <laughs> driver. Just talk to me, please, because um, in my 80s, nobody talked to me and I'm alone as fuck. So hey, if crime is what it takes, why not? And we crossed 8 billion people a couple of weeks ago. Right. This is completely coincidentally, the rates of suicides are going off the charts. Um, besides suicide, I forget the exact numbers because I don't have them in front of me, but I saw the statistic regarding the number of uh, kids up to high school who thought about suicide on any given month. And it was an insane percentage. It was something like, I'm going to, pull this out of my ass so don't quote me on it but it was something like 15 to 20 percent now granted, monthly consider yeah now granted 99.9 are not gonna ever do it but still just the fact that you are in that shitty of a shape those kind of numbers and i mean and the ones who actually do kill themselves is still very high yeah whether kill themselves actively kill themselves whether it's through drinking or to drugs in a slow protracted way Rate of addiction is off the charts. Rate of antidepressants use is off the charts. Mental health issues. And granted, these are problems that probably have many, many causes and it would be oversimplifying to attribute it to one thing and one thing only. But the fact that, you know, when you have that degree of loneliness, mm-hmm. it's not how we're built. It's not the way our DNA is designed to work. We're not designed to be that lonely. We are designed to work as part of a small niche community that's tight, that's face-to-face. I mean, what's your take on... Because uh, some people, for example, argue 
well, internet at least gives you some contact. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sometimes you may not have the option of the face-to-face contact, but you have more options to keep in touch with people from uh, who live all over the country, all over the world, you know. And at least it's something. But barely something. A piss-poor replacement right. to actual... Face-to-face. Face-to-face. Yeah. No, I... um. It's a terrifying set of statistics. Yeah. I mean, things are terrible, and things are polarized, and to not have a friend in this world, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of it is, you know, I'm an awkward person, mm-hmm. I have, you know, that's probably a, a giant collection of them, but well, how do you possibly fix such a thing? And that also become a loop, because the least you interact, yep. the, the less you interact, the less you're going to be able to interact when you have a chance. Yep. And so then it reinforces the, oh, shit, I'm awkward, so I seek these things even less when they do happen, they scare me more, and it's, it's a complete vicious cycle that way. Yeah, you know, and it just keeps reinforcing itself. Next time I try, something else goes wrong, now I'm never going to do this again for right. sure. Yeah, loneliness is for sure something that we've watched for 10 years now. And it's not improving in any way. It is surely disastrous. I cannot even imagine it. I mean, I, there's nothing I love to do more than just chat people up. I mean, numbers like that yeah. are terrifying enough that they should become, there should be political parties that are born just to address that. Yes. You know what I mean? That like, this is a national emergency. This is as big deal as it gets. Like, unless you fix stuff like that, most of the other stuff doesn't even matter. So, because things what it leads to those lonely, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna blame all the insane machine gun kids, but I don't think any of them had a lot of friends. Not a single one of them, for sure. Not just to go crazy and be anti-gun nut. These are the problems that are going to erupt, and they are clearly not getting any better. No. And I don't know, how do you fix that? Do we have to have some sort of Wednesday afternoon chat sessions where you're required to come? And well, you can't require me to do anything, so you get all that trouble. But it would seem there would be enough positivity of just to have people go, you know, (laughs) how do you enforce something like this? No, it just doesn't seem possible. But it's just as simple as, hey, man, I noticed that you spend a lot of time by yourself. Why don't you come and go play some fucking pool with us or something. Just simple right. thing, Which I understand is putting them in a situation that makes it difficult, but God, just to have no, people I mean, reach out. I'm just trying to search out a solution is almost impossible because I've already put myself in this hole. If I do it again, it's just going to be more bad reactions. I don't want to try it again. It's almost like you would need specialists, almost therapist level folks to kind of ease people and that's not going to work at all. Even because it's the structure of society that's not designed for this shit. Yeah. You know, we are a society that sacrifices everything on the altar of productivity, mm-hmm. where people, in the name of chasing a job, they pack up and head out and uh, live wherever they grew up, travel across. You know, and I'm not saying there's a, like, there are benefits to that too. There's something good about it. But the fact that it's so lacking any sense of roots, where. You are, you know, in most places in the world, you're going to be friends with people you grew up with. Mm-hmm. In your 70s, you're still friends with people you grew up with, with people who... And this is not the society where, you know, the whole hyper-capitalist chase the job, chase the better paying money, all that kind of stuff means all of the things are standing in the way. You know, the, all the relations are replaceable because essentially it's like... 
look, I were friends today, but I get a job offer elsewhere or I go off to college. It's like, boom, see you guys. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. And generally never see those folks again. Right. And also you don't have, you don't develop the muscle of working through difficult times in relationships. It's like if something is annoying, boom, I can go find something else, which is equally superficial and disposable, but at least is easily replaceable. So you this, know? this crazy number... 15 years in the making, you would say, in sort of that range? I'm just sort of trying to compare it to, is it possible that the internet... When Facebook came out, it seemed like sort of a vexing thing because lots of skeletons to come out from lots I of mean, people. Because back then, before then, when you'd kind of cut loose of people, mm -hmm. it was done. Sure. I think... Uh, and I just so see... Social media, for sure, right? There's an aspect to it. But I think social media is more of a... I don't know that it's a cause, because to me, I've seen that even before. Okay. Like, I remember in the 90s, right? I remember going to college, and there was a guy that I ran into. Was um, He transferred at the same time as me, so we were in the same orientation. We took, like, three or four classes. We ended up taking the same classes. And I remember asking the guy, like, hey, you know, now that we have been here for, like, a year or something after... Who are, who are your friends out here? Who, and he would look at me and was like, uh, you, you are. And I was like, mm. yeah. Did you find yourself qualifying as friend or just and, acquaintance? And I was like, we are barely acquaintances. Yeah. We're not friends. We never talk on the phone once. We have never hang out together outside of school. We just happen to have some courses together and in between classes, maybe we'll eat something and chit chat about the next class. And, and your idea is that that's, I'm your friend. I'm like, and again, I have nothing against the guy. He was a nice, perfectly pleasant guy, but we just hadn't put in the time, not quantity nor quality to actually make it a friendship, you know? And so. there's that sort of magic element where something springs to life in a friendship. I mean, it's yeah. not just... No, think about like, how many people you meet in a month. Most people don't become a friend. So it's not an easy task either. But I think that was also the problem that is like, he probably... I was probably the person he talked with the most right. on campus. And I was like, shit, this is bad. This is real. That was literally somebody who had no friends, right? It was like the interact, the minimal interaction with me was this idea of friendship, and this was the nineties, right? I mean, in I moved to US in ninety two, and one of the driving things is I was annoyed. I felt Italy wasn't friendly enough, didn't have enough sociability, and then I came to LA, and I was like, holy shit, that was a paradise of sociability by comparison, <laughs> you know? And one of the First feelings I felt in you were, I, I had a blast for the first six months to a year. Once I realized that so many of the people I ran into were... Superficial. Yeah. I would meet them today and they are gone tomorrow, right? We had a blast, but if, if anything, it was happening faster than in Italy. Like, I would meet people, we hang out, this is fun. And then they transfer, they do something else, you don't see them again, they don't really keep in touch. And Like, a year in, I was lonely as fucking us i was re i considered uh, I, not only i considered i actually decided to go back to move back to italy and be done with us i was like i can't do this shit this is way too lonely italy was lonely this is way worse and uh, and eventually things conspire to keep me here but 
deep down nothing changed i mean that's the society that i ended up in it was a lonely 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 society like even today if uh, i was talking about it with savannah and this i was like if he wasn't and don't get me wrong i have lots of people that i have very friendly interactions with i have people who certainly they would consider me f- a friend yep. and i don't on some level i am their friend but realistically how often do we talk how often do we see each other is so there are degrees there but so i was telling is and savannah i was like man if it wasn't for you guys i would be really fucking lonely you know i know a lot of people but like in day-to-day life like their presence keeps me grounded keeps me feeling love keeps me feeling good and all of that if it wasn't for them ton of other people that i have good relations with that i like yeah. I wouldn't even begin to be enough to feel that need you know so it's just like and i think i have a considerably larger social circle than most so it's one of those if my case would be i would be lonely as fuck without just two people in my life right that's that say something this is all terrifying it and the part that to me let me see if i find it uh, you know what i don't have it in the computer i have it somewhere else i wrote down at some point uh, when i was watching the original game of thrones i was taking down brilliant one-liners that they would drop in there and it was one of them which i'm gonna butcher right now because i don't have it in front of me and i don't remember it exactly but it was something along the lines of like people's minds are not made to tackle problems this big yes and i think this is one of those because uh it's not um there is no the entire structure on which we built our society goes in direct opposition to everything we're talking about in terms of friendship sociability and mental health we divide everything up so you cannot just say oh we offer you therapy or we give you free whatever it's not that it's like extreme capitalism the way it has destroyed communities essentially all of that would have to be undone yeah which doesn't mean you get rid of it doesn't mean all of capitalism need to disappear but it would have to be modified in such a way as to be reconcilable with having community with having friendship with having time and energy for things other than being a production machine which is very much the way it's designed to be in us cutthroat competition is yep. not going to lead to any improvements hey but the and gdp is going at, up right know, that's I mean, what just it's just crazy and then these folks that have it all don't seem to give a single shit and i don't understand why that is either i do i enjoy watching bezos's ex-wife spend money on incredible things and the thing that's fun is that that's the classic chris ryan point that even those guys are miserable in their own way yeah. right it's like um this is only mildly related but similar in terms of like the same people I was talking with Is about her middle school experience and she tells me how most kids, actually pretty much everybody talks shit incessantly about one another. It's a constant tear each other down thing. Yep. And she was like, man, it's hard enough to be 13, 14, 12, around that age. It would be so much easier if people are nice to each other. They could help each other through the rough spots. And instead, even with their friends, they'll pick on weaknesses, they'll pick on something and they just zero in. And what she was saying was like, and this is not only you're a dick to people who, 
who are acquaintances or even friends. Or deserving. But in the process, (laughs) you are a dick to yourself because that's the way they are going to treat you in return. You know, that's Um. you're planting the seed for the fact that they are not going to have your back and be kind when you are having a difficult moment. They are going to be teasing you incessantly just the same as you tease them. So it's like, why are you doing something that contributes to your own misery that way? And I was like, yeah, that's, uh, it applies to what you're talking about, but it applies to a lot more. And I think that same discussion we're having, like, it's not like because you are a billionaire, you have friends. Oh, no. You know, it's, you can buy more people to talk to you, pretty much the extent of it. But you can't trust any of them. Exactly. So it's, it's. um, But the middle school thing, that's really a great sort of, I mean, nexus of, that first kind of flavor that fifth grade into sixth grade is a tough step up because you and you all we've learned to expect it you know you they'll let you know that all it's going to be tough and that last sort of moment of magical just sort of being a goofy kid it's all gone Mm -hmm. and now it's being torn out of them earlier than ever and just i don't know middle school is always going to be tough just for the whole hormones making you insane and and tossing you about but the fact that they're all out to get each other. Yeah. This dog eat dog yep. world we've created. Yep, yep, yep. Which is based on competition essentially. Totally. Each. And again, don't get me wrong, there are things that I appreciate about competition. Like there are some aspects of competition that are useful and can actually shape you in a good way. But when it applies to every aspect of life, not just selected moments in your life when mm-hmm. you get to experience competition, but where everything is about me and not you, me getting my own and screwing you over kind of thing. Or just putting you down so that I can feel better about myself. Exactly. It's just one of those that is like, Jesus, man, that's not a good uh, setup for a functioning society. You know, this is really just not the way it's supposed to work. But do you feel a hundred years ago things were different? Um, I think, um, I mean, if you want to get if you really want to get into it historically, I think like in the industrial revolution already started fucking things up. Because what happens is that you would have um, people who live wherever the hell they live, mother, father, children, extended family, mm-hmm. and they usually work from home, either because they have their farm or because even if you are the shoemaker, they send you the materials at home, you make shoes, you send them back to the guy who sell them for you on the market, boom. You run your own schedule. If you want to work at 2 a.m., you work at 2 a.m., but you also work while you are rocking your newborn kid and you're doing things. So there's no clear-cut separation between work and life, right? right? So your family is always around you while you work. Then instead it became the industrialization led to the 9 to 5 kind of thing. Well, 9 to 5 actually is later. Initially they work you to death <laughs> for like eight-hour workday. It was a conquest. not. A, and I think that start, now you are separated from your family. Now you go to a place to work and you're away from your kids. That in itself, you know, in terms of parent kids, creates a gap. Then uh, the, it starts breaking up the community because you don't work from home where you live, where you have your neighbors around. You go somewhere else to work entirely different. And then that becomes the more important because that's ultimately what you spend most of your days at work, not right. at home. 
So that becomes the most important thing. So then you become, if a better deal comes along, pack up everything, honey, because we're moving to that other town or that other state or across the nation because so whatever friendship you have and family ties and whatever that needs to go because we got a better job across the country. And I think that trend starts with industrialization in a big way. It's reinforced post-World War II with the economic boom post-World War II, where more industries are hiring from all over the world. That's kind of the time when fast food became a thing, too, right. in the 1950s and late 40s, early 50s, when you have a lot more of these military-industrial complex spending money left and right, so creating a bunch of jobs that didn't exist before which means a lot of people moving across country abandoning community to go to the new place and chase the job which coincidentally is perfect for the fast food thing since that's like okay now you don't have time to be home and cook a meal for your kids here is mcdonald go quick no i strongly recommend to anybody who hasn't read it the book fast food nation yeah. it's a classic but it's brilliant essay on the transformation of American society from the 50s to the present. Primarily focused on fast food, but and actually not even to the present. Fast Food Nation was written, what, in the 90s? Yeah, at least 20 years old. Maybe 2000 at yeah. most, something like that. So it's so these are things that have long been coming that are only becoming more extreme. It's not that they didn't exist 50 years ago or 100 years ago. They were already in motion. It's just that the wheels have been spinning faster and faster. The consequences are becoming more and more obvious. And I think really that's the reality, that like we built a society that is not designed for human happiness, you know, that is not designed to maximize what makes humans feel good. And so when we talk about solutions, you have to redesign society. You have to go back, scratch a lot of the foundation, mm -hmm. keep some, but scratch a lot of the foundation and redesign. And so no wonder people are like arguing about uh, some fucking culture war issue that means nothing in the great scheme of things. Because at least you feel it's a simple issue, right? You, you can yell at each other across partisan lines in a way that... It's like, I have my way, and my way is right. Those guys are dumbasses. About something like this, take anybody. Right wing, left wing, middle, up, down, and tell them, here is the problem. Find a solution. Well, clearly you need to go to church. Right. <laughs> which is a whole other aspect of this, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, there will be some people who are absolute dumbasses who tell you some answer that obviously unworkable but if we go for real stuff for stuff that actually work um it's a different story the search for the solution it just boggles the mind and i think there could not be a worse place on the planet to make a solution to this problem than where we're at where we are so tied down in these bunkers and I mean, I guess it's a useful place to be in the sense that anywhere else in the world where these may be four steps behind, it doesn't mean that they are doing great. It just means that they are at the 1960s as opposed to 2020 US, you know. But again, 1960s US was not a, or 70s or 80s for that matter, was not a paradise of sociability where everything was great. It was just... So I think it's useful even for other places to take a look at where we're at here today, because this is where they are going. 
You know, I, look at all the shittiness that's brewing up again. I mean, the anti-Semites are out sure. in full blast again today. But you're right. Society-wise, we have made some bold steps in the past, since the 60s for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not completely improved or fixed, but gay people and black people have it a lot easier. Not easier is not the right word. No, no, but, but it's compared, not to... compared to what it was yeah. in, in 1950s. Yeah. Where you were perverts, or you were just, you know, or com- legally are discriminated, not kind of maybe uh, openly, and when the law is not on your side in any way, shape, or form, in the most brutal way possible. Yeah, I think it's like when you have uh, fucking kids throwing eggs at you so that you can go into school. Bit of a worse scenario. So we have found some barely tiny little steps forward. I think even big step forward. Um, yeah, life is definitely different that's than not it was denying, 60 years ago, 70 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's not denying that some amazing things have happened over the decades or there hasn't been tremendous progress, and I mean progress in a good way in this yep. case, on a bunch of issues. However, there are others and rather fundamental ones that are not going that well. And I think that's where, yeah, that's why it's not like, oh, let's go back to the past where everybody was happy. No, not really. No, the we past suck we... for other reasons, you know. But like I, so it's not a the good old days when everything was great. It's more a, uh, we have definitely done some good stuff, but um, we but got I a think, long way to go. Yeah, we got a very very long way to go. We're desperately in need of a terrible situation that could unite everybody in in a commonality. Global I don't know warming, that I mean, I climate think, change. I mean, you think something alien invasion, but in everything, we already have it, right? There are already plenty major of things where we could unite. There, we could get behind if we would, for, for a second, stop thinking about Wall Street and things like that, and start thinking about you know what is the scale? I, I forget which country it was, but some little country with not much money, but their happiness quotient is off mm-hmm. the chart. And we are the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we all the, got big TVs and uh, fast and I think, food and junk like that. But yeah. you're right. As many un- un- lonely people are, there's a lot of unhappy people too. And the unhappiness factor is, uh, it's huge. Because it's like, we're not even, yeah. Forget just the suicides or the mass shootings or, you know, the super spectacular things that should make us go, holy shit, this yeah, is terrible. We should fix that yesterday. Just the... That's like the tip of the iceberg. There's everything below where the numbers are exponentially larger than anyone involved in mass shootings or the suicides or anything, which is people living miserably. Yeah. Sad, lonely... Always behind, paycheck to paycheck, trying to get by. Then you're trying to get over on other people that are in your sort of echelon, just so you can be one step a little bit higher. And it's endless. You know, I used to. The first of the month comes roaring in, everybody, and everybody's chasing it, can never catch up because the the inequities don't help at all. But the (laughs) fact that we don't seem to give a shit about each other, it's like there's kind of this top layer. That as long as they've got all their goodies and got everything, they don't give a fuck about Yeah, but even those guys are ready well, to shoot mis- themselves, you know? It's like, so it's really a, a question of lack of imagination. Yeah. Lack of uh, ability to think critically and find solutions. 
because it's not a scenario where you get some people get what they want and screw everyone else. Is everybody's miserable and some people is mi- are miserable with more toys and figure that that's since I'm miserable anyway, I might as well focus on getting more toys and fuck everyone else. Which is um, again, I get it because these are things that are. Like, yeah, if somebody even tell you, okay, we are all with you, let's find a solution. Mm-hmm. That's when you go like, ah, shit, okay, let me think this through for a second. Because well, this and is when you not- start throwing some things out, they're immediately going to be like, you know, the, the whole idea of like, um, oh, what was Yang's idea? Oh, yeah, with the, the universal income, yeah, yeah. Just a universal income to yeah. let everybody, at least yeah. on a plane where they don't have to worry mm-hmm. every day, that at least, look, my rent's paid, I can explore other things i can take time to make more friends i can take and they will be like oh you bunch of communists you're just gonna hand everything out but why wouldn't you why wouldn't you i mean that's why our society's so fucked when every time i think about the healthcare industry and how billions are created for people to make sure all that billions doesn't get spent on healthcare, it goes in somebody's pocket Yeah, yeah, yeah that's insanity and that's where we're at Yep. We don't seem to give a shit about each other, and until we do, nothing's going to change anyway. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, endless competition. Everybody's against each other. Everybody's trying to get over on somebody. You're going to, oh, those kids in those bad neighborhoods sell drugs. It's because it's the only way they can make any money. Of course. And of they're course. usually trying to help their families out, I would think. Not everybody, because nothing's no, universal course. in these things. But these endless, excuse me, I'm smacking shit around. I'm so upset. If we really did just take a moment where let's give even the playing field out, and I know I hear communists, your people are screaming it already. I'm not saying you have to you have to work in boot factory now or anything like that. Sure. But there has to be some way where everybody doesn't have to be constantly racing to get something to to just catch up, not even catch up, just to keep from slipping further behind. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at, like, the way clearly communism played out historically, it's been fucking awful, yeah. right? So it's like, that's clearly not the solution. At the same time, if you're going to look at, like, how capitalism has worked out in most places, it hasn't been a barrel of monkeys either. No, nope. and it's sort of the so, same thing, a crust of the upper echelon that does well right while everybody else suffers so the question is what can we do to fully acknowledging that something like communism is not the solution what can we do to tweak capitalism in a way that's not destroying the planet our own lives and our happiness because that's kind of where it's at is there a way is there a different approach that's not based on either you know that's not uh, the classic capitalist approach or the communism is there because i mean i used to i'm thinking about like the small steps right we go like here from thinking about the big systems of society to really small steps there's something that used to bother me and now instead makes me sad and i get it more but i remember when i Having spent my life training martial arts, like in martial arts gym, every time I would hear this shit when people are like, oh, my, and whatever the name of the gym is, a family, oh, and I'm like, the fuck you talking about? This is not a family. You're not there for me when I need you. You're not gonna, you know, we are polite to each other and we smile to each other and we chit chat before and after training for three minutes. Don't fucking dirty the word family by comparing it to this shit, because this is not it. That's somebody with no family. Exactly. But then it's like you compare it to what actually people have, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is actually 
the closest thing to a family they have. Now, these two actual families about 10,000 steps away, but these two, what they have is also better than nothing. We need to think about this a problem like this on multiple, multiple levels at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is about maximizing stuff that doesn't really change the big picture, but is a lot better than a kick in the ass. So it is about finding things that create minimal degree of community. And whether it is training three times a week with the same people and feeling that at least you got somebody that you see on a regular basis and you can chit-chat. Friendly face, someone smiles at you, decent to you for a few minutes. Better than zero. Yeah. Way better than zero. So, but like, okay, take that triple it you know let's just add layers to this add layers to the kind of uh, community type of scenario we can create because it cannot be about you have to join a martial arts school or whatever else like that that to so add other elements to it like figure out both as an individual like okay you're not going to change society tomorrow so what can you as an individual do about it and in that sense looking for spaces like that yep can maybe help you keep your mental sanity a tiny bit. So we need to increase interactions. Yeah. So spaces where you're going to go because you like something, you have an interest in that, and you can squeeze some social life out of it. You can squeeze the fact that you see other humans exchange words, share a hug kind of thing. Again, very low bar, but better than truly a step in the right direction though because yeah. that's the only way it's gonna there's no way we can start at the top because if you're gonna start at the top i mean it's easy enough yeah. if you're gonna keep running companies this way workers have to have 30 percent of representation right. on the boards things like that that no stockholder wants to hear at all we have to return to the stakeholder not the stockholder situation mm-hmm. where this is my giant company but I take care of everybody, yep. not just the people that are getting rich off of it. That's my workers. That's the community we're in. That's the, the places we poison. We don't do that anymore. So those are massive. But what about on a smaller scale? I don't know. I know I've been saying this for 10 years because it's always been a notion of mine. Mm-hmm. Why we don't dedicate out of, let's say, three days a month that you can collect in any way you want to and go do something positive for your community. Mm-hmm. You know, go, and you could stack them all together and take them all at once and spend three, four weeks helping out in something that interests you, yeah. helping out in schools, interacting with people, having time, and, and to give people, I mean, our schedules are the, the, the craziest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I know nothing makes me more jealous than when my German friends go and take six fucking weeks off in the summer. Of course. They don't think about work. Yep. A lot of these German companies, and I'm sure the European ones as well, shut down. Yep for a huge chunk of time we'll tool back up and get started again in the fall that not existing in this country is killing us absolutely so that's a huge aspect and in that sense if yeah if you run a company figure out how you can keep you know obviously you want to keep your income coming in but like work with your workers to figure out how can you have a better life while keeping my profits high what can we do to keep the income flowing in and make it workable and profitable while at the same time giving you more of a life that you want, more time with your family, more occasions to do stuff you want to do? Because nothing we're doing is that goddamn important. No, unless you're shipping organs, unless you're doing high-end things like that, which nobody but a right. tiny percentage are. The rest of us, I think we've discussed before, Like a lot of jobs are just functionary bullshit that actually don't accomplish anything. And the tone of stuff can be done... Uh, I mean, even the most, 
there's a lot of stuff that can be done in less time Hell where yeah. you can achieve the same result in less quality time for three hours is a lot better than bullshit sitting in a chair for eight hours mm-hmm. you know goof off and you know right it's like steal every second you can to if check facebook because you don't work i've really not done my job of taking you know handing it to the man whereas if somebody tells you look get this done and when you're done you're out <laughs> and if you can get this stuff done for me in four hours go be with your kids do whatever you want i don't and again working with each other like making that a goal at least where it's like something that both people managing workers and workers can work together in the having a common goal which ultimately is let's make sure everybody gets paid and let's make sure that everybody has a decent life yeah and that really could be a form of you know i have my 16 people on my crew Mm -hmm. this is what has to be done in the week and if we all accomplish this, we don't even need to be here on Friday, and everybody still makes the same money. Yep. These are easy ways to do it. And now, it's like, oh, man, we just put our nose to the grindstone. End of day Wednesday, we're almost there. Thursday's going to be short. Friday would be off, and we still get everything we need. And Instead of finding ways to, like my three-staple friend, to drag right. his feet as much as he can. Busy work to... Fi- yeah, that's absolute bullshit. The uh, Elon Musk approach, right? Yeah. It's like, if you're not working 16 hours a day, you're not committed to this company, so fuck you. It's like, okay, man, well... It is fun, fun watching him burn his money. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's a whole other thing, right? It's like, that's... Il- both hilarious and scary because you figure people who have that kind of an impact on the world you imagine them to be somewhat smart but they're not they're just lucky and uh, amazing how much luck has to do with so many of these things yeah but yeah but that is completely yeah yeah, and and it could take people like that to do it but these they are clearly not going to change their ways but yeah, you need to be smart, you need to be a visionary, you need to have a talent for solutions. But yeah, there's that aspect, right, the work one. There's even in terms of housing, you know, figure out way. Like I told you, like when I went to Italy and I visited my, um, I guess my stepmom. Yeah, technically, I mean, I never, we never used the words that way. But like, yeah, I was my dad's wife for like 25 years or something. And, you know, she lives in a community where everybody's got their house, they all have their private space, but then there are 150 houses next to each other, each having their little space, but then they also have community gardens and a bunch of community space where you run into your neighbor all the time. Uh, Oh, I'm going on vacation, can you watch my plants? Uh, Oh, I'm gonna... And they help each other. And it's like, that's being part of a village and yet being part of a modern day village where you have internet, you can connect to people across the world, you can travel, you have your private space. It doesn't mean you have to live in a cabin in the woods with sharing a room with 12 smelly hippies is <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> the, the happy version of communities, you know, is uh, the other side of it, you know, and it's like, and again, it's not this or that because it's like the 12 smelly hippies had a great idea. They understood the problems of uh, the way modern society was structured and they were in their own way trying to find a solution. Didn't quite work the way one would hope, but they had at least the finger on the pulse of what the problem was. That's because Spencer would never put the fucking guitar down. Right. And uh, and I think those are... So 
it's a thing that's like multifaceted. You can look at it from architecture, the way we design our homes, oh, yeah. the way we design our communities, the way uh, workers uh, and uh, jobs and job creators interact with one another and creating common goals. It becomes political regarding things that you can do by law to favor, create certain you know, there's uh, a bunch of different aspects to it all that are worth a try. Definitely worth a try because the the stakes are huge. They don't get any bigger than that. I mean, when you have a growing by the day percentage of the population that inches closer and closer to deep depression and suicide no. is not a sign of a society that's doing great. No, it's a sign of a society that's spiraling towards anarchy because people just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And we might as well just burn it all down. Yeah, because ultimately you can think of like, well, I got my family and my white picket fence and it's working out. And even then it's like, it can only work out for so long when everything around you is collapsing. And even like, it's not even probably working out that well because your kids do go to school. They do go to school with a bunch of kids who are equally alienated and lonely and don't know how to have any kind of a fucking social interaction because they have nothing with their parents in common because their parents work all It affects everybody, you know what I mean? Doesn't, doesn't matter how insulated you think you are. You're not that insulated because we all know somebody who killed themselves, who drank himself to death, yep, who killed himself yep, with drugs. Yep. We know probably a bunch of people who are at this very moment absolutely dying from loneliness. We, you know, it affects everything. And so it's like, yeah, you can try at least in the immediate, like what's super close to you, your immediate family to protect it as much as you can. Noble goal, I agree, good for you. But at the end of the day, that only goes so far. If like if the whole ship is sinking, doesn't matter that the side of the ship you're on is still dry. You know, you're still on a sinking ship. And it's clearly sinking. Uh, that is the issue. And so I'm uh, I'm fascinated with with solutions, you know, I'm fascinated with strategy. I'm fascinated with anybody who has ideas to, and again, there is no single idea that's going to fix it all. This is one of those problems that he probably requires 5,000 separate solutions to tackle it in all of its aspects. But like each one adds, each one makes it easier for the next one to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And vice versa, when one of them is not working, makes it harder for any other one. So it's, I don't claim, I definitely, not only I don't claim, I know I don't have all the solutions to something of this magnitude. I think I have some ideas that are better than what I see around me, but that's a very far cry from actually having a comprehensive solution. But that doesn't mean that there are no solutions. I think there are, I mean, even just the couple of things we have been throwing out there now, we're at least putting the finger on the right pulse of what are some of the nexus, like what are some of the things where those need to be addressed to change something. What would you think? Hmm. It just sort of hopped out of my head. One sec. I was just... Do you think you honestly ask people... What percentage of people do you think are actually for real happy? I think pretty low. Yeah, I think so too. I think I we think put a, a, a good smile on and at least yeah. I got a job. And mm -hmm. da, 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 da. 
but I don't think anybody's pleased with the situation. I think it's hard. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't think it's super high. I think it's most everybody, well, actually that's not even true, but good percentage of the population have definite moments that made them feel good, make sure. them feel like, oh, this is life. They tend to come and go, uh, and again, nobody's going to be happy 365 days. It's, it's not a 24-7 thing. But, but what like, about 60? Yeah. What if they could have 60 nice days? I don't yeah, think yeah, people yeah. have that. Right. I think people get up early, yep. get ready, rush out, Mark eat like shit, dogs. work yeah. like a dog, get home, stare at the TV for two hours, half asleep. And all that shit is connected, right? Because yeah. the fact that you are running around ragged, working all day, means that you eat like shit because you don't have time to spend an hour cooking a nice, great meal. Yep. So you're going to grab shitty food that makes you feel good quick because they feel they eat all the right chemicals, but it's terrible for your body, which then means you have less time to be a parent to your kids who are not going to grow up picking up anything in terms of knowing how to communicate or have decent empathy or not because they don't you the primary person in their life are not there for them really even if you mean well and you care for them you're still not there for them yeah. um the and it all feeds each other right these are all things that you know the that's why i thought he was brilliant in fast food nation now he's zeroing in on one particular aspect of culture purely on the fast food it's like a subset of it eating displays all the trouble of everything else and then you can see how that's tied to a bigger picture to a bigger one to a bigger one and and that's what makes it very fascinating you know and um and so i do think that while obviously nobody's asking you to find a solution tomorrow because no one Currently, today, there's not a single person on earth who has all the solutions to this. At best, people have partial solutions, which is already a great step. I think that's all you can ask of people, like figure out little partial solution, both the emergency ones, like for you right here, right now, what can you do to uh, walk a little away from the edge? And uh, again, whether it's something that you can create in your life that fits a minimal amount of community needed and then thinking more about the long-term ones the bigger ones and what that can be done you know and i think that's really where it's at yeah i agree completely somewhere there is a solution that 50 years from now can have a society that cares about each other mm -hmm. more than they care about material things and that just, how many things would that fix all across the board? From agriculture to childcare to... 100%. Everything. So now we're not just looking for the biggest pile of platinum. We're looking to make sure everybody's doing okay. Yep. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just, it seems to be, when you think about it, it's that simple. If there was moments where, I don't know, you start in your neighborhood, I guess, but are you guys doing okay? We don't even know our neighbors. It's this... Exactly. So if we want to go for like an easy takeaway, like one little thing you can do that makes a difference is uh, have, a, you know, your phone list, your phone book, the people who are on whose numbers you have. One thing I routinely do, particularly when I drive, but not all this, I may be walking the dog or something that basically I'm doing something where I'm not working, I'm not with my daughter, I'm not, I have time for. I'll go down the list from A to Z, and sometimes you don't get through all of it. You just get through A, A through C or something. Sure. And look at who I haven't talked to in a while, who's, uh, who I care about, and give them a call. 
and send them a text and see how they are doing and not because you need something from them just to shoot the shit hang out touch base see how that's how many people most people how many people they have who call them just for the hell of it just to say hi what's up how are you feeling and that's a grand notion man that's like instead of collecting likes you're collecting helps yeah you call people or reach out or just you reach out you touch base you let them know you still think of them and um and in an ideal world they will return your calls and actually do the same thing but i like i really feel that that's a lost art people overwhelmingly like there have been times i remember when somebody called me just to say what's up i was like whoa you're actually calling me just to say what's up oh my you don't need anything you don't want something from me right now it's like that's odd and um that's how bad it is so i think that's a that's a simple great exercise you're in the car Go through the list before you start driving, because that's probably not a good idea to look at your phone while you drive. <laughs> look at three people whose number you're going to try while you are, uh, you know, you, you got your speakerphone system. You can just press the button, look at the road, and just see who you can touch base with. That's a grand notion. Start with that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, one quick thing I want to throw out there. We have a partnership with magicmind.co. These guys make a product that I've personally tried, work like a charm. I'm inviting you to give it a thought if this is something that could help you. The problem that Magic Mind tackles is really simple to explain. The feeling when there are 24 hours in a day, there are several more to go before it's time to call it a day, and you feel foggy and tired and sluggish. And that's when normally you start down in about two gallons pot of coffee. That's one way to go about it. There are, I think, better ways. And this may be at least worth an experiment for you to see if this is, uh, is as good as advertised. So you don't have to take my word for it. I've tried it for quite a few days in a row before recording this. And you, I mean, I felt it on day one. They say wait until day three, day four, until that's when the effects really start kicking in. I felt it on day one, like within minutes of taking it, you definitely get this moment of alertness where things seem clearer sharper words come faster that kind of feeling i had uh, out of curiosity because i was like okay that's working for me but who knows i had my mom try because she was recently complaining of saying hey man i don't like this i'm getting older and i noticing in uh, i'm forgetting things uh, i'm losing words here and there and she was a fan she's actually the the main reason why we have this established partnership with Magic Mind right now is because she's like, give me my next dose. Where is it? <laughs> so clearly worked. So that's the good news. So what is in this magical, mystical compound? We got a lot of stuff and I'm uh, not going to read you the whole thing, but anything from matcha to ashwagandha or however you pronounce it or lion's mane mushrooms cordyceps mushrooms is this natural mental boosting ingredients that should do the trick for you my suggestion is if this fits your needs try it out the website is www.magicmind.co so not com just co forward slash taoist with the tea. 
magicmind.co forward slash Taoist will automatically get your discount going. And uh, check it out. And if you guys do, I would love to hear what you think. So speaking of things that build community, um, I'm a big fan of the idea of rituals that bring people together. Now, let me preface by saying that a lot of the social rituals that are popular, they don't speak to me, so I have a hard time with them. But that doesn't mean that A, there aren't versions of it that can be powerful, and B, some of them may be my own bullshit prejudice. So it's like, it doesn't, of course, not all the ritual work for everybody, but the point being, there are some that work for some people, mm-hmm. figure out which ones are your own. And Mr. Evers here has got something that happened recently that's speaking of powerful rituals. Yeah, my daughter got married two weeks ago. That's do tell it's funny like from the very beginning over all even through like high school our kids would always tell us that we were the unicorns because amongst their friends we were the only parents that were still married mm-hmm. wow and that's three different kids reporting the same thing over the years yeah and one of the nicest things they've all i mean they're all great but we've heard over and over again from each of them that like we're their goal in life is to try to find somebody you can stay with i mean mm-hmm. it's gonna be 30 years here in a couple minutes and it always, it always kind of troubled me a little bit like man god that's just, there's no guarantee in any of that so i mean for sure get out there and find somebody you vibe with and and get it going but there's no way to guarantee it's gonna happen course so uh lo and behold um during the pandemic bruno and emily had probably been they've been living together a couple years at this point and when the pandemic started nobody knew what was going to happen so they had a little apartment not even a balcony or anything so that those that fun march 19th or whatever when i was sure they were going to shut the freeways down who knew what they were going to try yep Grab your cats, get your stuff, come on down. We got enough room. We'll put some tents up in the back. And ended up for four months, they stayed with us. Wow. And it was just, it went really well. And I joked at the time, you know, if Bruno can handle that four months, he can handle anything. Right. And he was always, he's a great kid regardless of kid, man. Sure. Um, so, you know, I'll never forget. He literally came to me and asked my permission, or for his, my daughter's hand in marriage. Just class act. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the funny things about that moment was we were out back barbecuing at the moment. And uh, yes, I said yes. And I was tearing up and I gave him a big hug. And as I look back in the house, Emily and Gretchen are staring at us. wondering what the hell is going on out there? Right. I was like, oh, the smoke. You know? <laughs> the smoke has got in my eyes. That's funny. But, you know, and that seemed like, well, that'll be forever. But forever was 18 months, and it was a year away, and it was six months away, and it was just, I, there was a lot of worry that in the end was massively unnecessary. But I don't think you can avoid it. No, of course. Because there's so much going on. And then it was like two weeks away. At that point, as we're getting kind of frantic, it came to my mind that, you know, all these balls are in the air now. Yep. 
this is going to happen. So let's kind of get away from the worry and just let it play out. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have a lot of new people you've never met before. The whole families have never met in any way before. There's just a thousand different things that could have gone crazy wrong. Nothing did. Right. And... To get it, oh, the one crazy thing that did go wrong, I had my navigation set incorrectly. So we were in San Jose, but we had to make it north of Santa Rosa. It was like almost two hours to get up there. Right. And um, mine was set to avoid tolls. So even though I'm pretty familiar with the area, like yeah. the 280, the 880, this, that, or the other, it dumped me into San Francisco to go over the Golden Gate Bridge Ooh. the worst possible Ooh, way. That hurts. So now I've like burned an hour weaving my yeah, way, and yeah. I even know my way through there. It was just like, oh, but. To yeah. just get out and Have find cars. another way, and it's not working. So it's just like, so I'm like blindly trying to get myself to a place I've never been before. I literally had to get a thing called a map. So, anyway, so I'm making my way up there, and it's just, oh my God, I'm going to be late to this thing. And this was just a rehearsal dinner, and just everybody okay, kind of initially fine. showing up. So it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it was still like, of course. And, um, it was just sort of an amazing time to sort of collect what's about to happen and all the things that have been put together. And um, as I finally made it to the place, and it's just a beautiful location, and the trees are all changing. These people have perfectly picked it out. Like, as, as the sun's setting, I see exactly what the next day is going to look like. And I get there, and everybody was great. Everybody was happy to see and meet. And it, um, I guess you were saying, like, these crazy rituals... We were stepping into a we were we were stepping into a moment that clearly everybody necessary in the whole world was here in that moment. Right. So like the rest of the world kind of drifted away, and everybody helped out, and everybody was excited, and the vendors that we got were fantastic, and Pizza Man included. I remember you were worried. Pizza Man, he's a genius. Was that good? It was great. Awesome. Nice. And um, just, I want to say he was Moroccan. So he made this Moroccan chicken shawarma that yeah. everybody agreed may have been the greatest thing they'd ever eaten. And he get, so it shows up and he's got like 140 pizzas. They're all pre-made and he right. puts them into this. It's like, I figured it would be a giant oven to make this happen. No, the thing was maybe three feet by four feet. I was like, how is this ever going to work? <laughs> yeah. And he's not cooking anything and nothing's happening and, and everything. You know, it's going to be the, the rehearsal's done and these people are going to be hunting. The man was a genius. In my mind, everybody gets the pizza. I Means someone's gonna come. No, people don't get whole pizzas. People get slices. Right. Never did I even occur Put together that it's uh, yeah. yeah. So you probably there's three different. Well, at the most somebody's gonna take one of each. Right. 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 So he was always every three four minutes another three fresh pizzas out. He was like six ahead in the beginning. A few more slices are going out and right. never got behind. Fantastic. And it was just art. Good for pizza, man. Tell me something. One Please. of the things that I always hated about weddings, and weddings are one of my pet peeves. I I don't know why, where I got the vibe, something, but I never, as I used to say, I'd rather go a funeral than a wedding because at least I don't have to pretend to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> so let's say I come from a bad place in this regard. But one of the things that um, always I noticed was my perception was always there's this pressure for everything to be perfect. People freak out. They are horrendously stressed for weeks because of that. Surely exists. And, uh, and so to me, weddings always left me a little like, why are we doing this? Because I always felt that 
the amount of pressure that exists within a typical wedding mm -hmm. very much defeated the purpose of having a nice, fun, big party kind of thing. Um, and Thursday before we all drove up, I would because at that point it's people coming into town and getting yeah, cars yeah. and hotels. Where are they going to stay tonight? And just all all the chaos was going at once. But I tell you from the other side of it now, um, it's what Emily wanted. She was great at planning it all out, and she did get worried and she did panic, and that of course led to me being worried and panicked. And it is a lot of stress, but when it comes off. And it's... That's awesome, man. Perfect? That's cool. I mean, in insane ways. Truly, the ancestors were visiting. I very much felt, thanks thanks to Reservation Dogs, I see the world very differently yep. now. Yep. And um, the Friday rehearsal there, we, we were able you were able to have the whole place for three days. So it wasn't moving around. We got everybody in place. And all the folks were excited. And this grand group of friends that my kids have were amazing that's fun and just meeting all of them and some that's beautiful i don't want to I, can't, I don't want to disclose any names or anything sure of course but i think one of my favorite things that happened is that one of her friends from college she is um dating a transitioning and i may cut this out i don't know if, if, if you yeah, feel yeah. like I, if you feel like i fuck it up but it just it, I, the pride i got from this is First of all, her wedding party looked like the United Colors of Benetton. Right. And she even had one of her gay friends be one of her bridesmaids. And he was outstanding. Right. And her old friend from college, she's dating, I guess, a, a boy that's transitioning right now. Yeah. They had tried to go to a wedding the week before and were chased away by these Bible-thumping maniacs. Were like, we're not going to have your type around here. Right. Which just stunned me. So when they arrived just nothing but warmth and just to let them know that everybody's allowed here mm -hmm. and be yourself and the party or the, the, the day of the wedding was the first time she had ever worn a dress in public mm -hmm. she was comfortable enough and how fucking hard does that have to be right absolutely especially people trashing you so just one thing somebody told me, I don't know if you told a couple of people on there were like, look, sit back and just watch. Mm -hmm. Take some time to see it all happening. And don't bother taking any pictures. Lots of people are going to be taking pictures. And they couldn't have been more correct. Mm -hmm. And all these moments to see and all these, you know, people from all over the place. She literally, she had like seven ex-Kiva interns there from way back when she was an intern there. Of course. You know, and then there were people over there and Bruno's friends and all of them a delight. And these kids didn't get wild. Of course, they all had, everybody had some drinks and stuff, sure. but nobody got out of control. It was a fucking epic party. That's great. I love that. And uh, so for the actual wedding, rain was scheduled. We'd been, I'd been watching them. <laughs> they're talking about worrying about I'm shit. Sure. And um, literally, the Ceremony was at 3 o'clock, and the rain was supposed to arrive at 3.15. Yeah, an outdoor wedding in November, it's flirting with danger, oh, that's yeah. for sure. At least the temperatures were good, yeah. and tents and fire pits, and the, and, the, and the place was just fantastic. I'd recommend it to anybody if they want to do it that way, because everything was all self-contained in one place. Mm -hmm. The bride had her whole top of this giant place, so all, you know, just, it was brilliantly thought out. So, here come those damn rain clouds, man. And... Her uh, or her event coordinator was like, look, we really probably should move this inside. And she was like, 
I refuse. Nope. Right. It's not going to rain. And you need to start thinking that way too. And like even like 30 minutes out when it was looking kind of like this with darkness coming our way and the radar saying it's coming. She's like, nope. If I have to get married in the rain, I'm getting married in the rain. We're doing it. And so off we go. Thing goes off. Things goes off without a hitch. And literally, as they are giving their vows to each other, a crack in the sky lights them with sun rays as they are getting married. Just one of those, no one will believe it. If you put it in a script, no one will believe it. And it literally happened. Perfectly designed. 12 minutes later, it's over. We've all made our way to the buildings and the tents. Rains raining. for a half hour. Nice. But just kept everybody there to get super spread it ended because it did end up being a COVID super spreader. Aye. And we tried everything outdoors, but just too many people, too many places. And a lot of us get sick, but everybody survived it. But still, and the party went on into the night. It was just unbelievable being on the other side of it. But it's just weird. There's very rare moments. Delivery room. Waiting outside operating room. Or something like this where at that moment, we had everybody there that we needed. And it just seemed like we were... Like you said, with this ritual, we're inside Uh this sort of ring almost where the only thing that mattered was inside that bubble at that moment. And it was so nice that nothing else mattered. Everybody bought their A game. Even (laughs) folks I worried about or just didn't know about. Everybody was great. And so it renewed my my As Metallica would say, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's that's fantastic, man. That's uh, when those things work. And I think that's the same thing with sociability and friendship and creating those spaces that I hate when they feel fake. I hate when they feel forced. I hate when it's like, aren't we one big happy family? I'm like, no, motherfucker, I barely know you. We're not one big happy family. So I despise the when it's, desperately trying to force something that's not really there but when it is there and it, and you put on a ritual for it and yeah. you do then it's beautiful then it's something that's powerful that's and it's the difference between i think uh wannabes versus the real thing you know that when the emotion is there the feeling is there the relationships are there you do something like this and has a beauty and an intensity that the one that has to invite the people they haven't talked to in 20 years because otherwise we don't have enough numbers to make it look right and it's a whole different game you know well we got in front of that too i mean we did invite a lot of people and there was a lot of like oh you know it's like look it's almost thanksgiving it's a long way out here but you know what the number was great perfect right 65 70 you know in in yeah, I we just need a hundred more people to make it any better. You know, I just remember something from, um, or the, actually, I, I lied because I was thinking about, have I actually been to a full, I've been to a couple of weddings, usually arriving late or all sort of drama every time. But sure. like the one wedding that I remember I really enjoyed, I wasn't planning on being there. And he was in the middle of a Sundance ceremony. One of the Sundancers and this lady who was also a Sundancer, married each other by the tree with a guy just praying with the pipe for them. Nice. It was like thing in the middle of Rosebud Reservation so I can say that I've been to a wedding where the groom was bare chested and uh, yeah good stuff see some of them are nice yeah no there are and I, I'm a big fan and I think it's because I'm a big fan of the real thing of like powerful rituals are such a beautiful thing yeah that they are cheapened when it's done in a bullshit kind of way but that's just because 
there are plenty of poor imitations doesn't mean that you can't do the real thing and it cannot be fantastic. Well, and when the love there is actual, real, yeah. and pow- you know, you can just feel these these two love each other. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think those two, and I think also is like when families get along because it's always weird right when it's like okay you got maybe the two love each other but then they have to bring their parents that they haven't talked to in five years but you can't really not have them so they are there but it's awkward and then there's your crazy uncle who's an asshole and or he's crazy gonna, aunt in my or, case or you know or something <laughs> that's but you know as long as he stays within certain boundaries of yep. course nobody's perfect but like when it gets in some cases it can get pretty weird sure and uh so I'm super glad to hear that you had one of those happy cases of a powerful ritual that goes off without a hitch and it works out well. It was it was amazing. I'm so glad. And the speeches were fun. Made everybody cry. I warned everybody in advance I will cry during this speech, so you're welcome to join me. <laughs> and it was just great just to celebrate these two and, you know, best of luck to them. I love it. You never know, but man, she's feisty enough. She'll probably keep him in line and he'll keep her in line. And that's the only secret we have to it. They're in their late, mid 20s, late 20s? Yeah, they're both 27. Perfect. Which I think that's the perfect time. It's a good age. We were way, we were about nine when we got married. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, like, and had no idea how to do it. We were so clueless. Just didn't know, but this was the time we were going to do it. And, um, we had to be out of the place by six o'clock because there's another wedding coming in that evening. Right, so, like, right. Of nuts, there's just so many mistakes. Off taking pictures by everybody else, danced and ate. We didn't eat. We didn't dance. We missed all of it. But just didn't know what we were doing. We had literally think about this just because we didn't know. We had our bachelor and bachelorette parties the night before the wedding. Right. What the fuck, idiot? What? How, how could we not realize that this is the dumbest? Great timing. Great timing. Oh, just a wreck. Yes, of course. Because we had fired bridesmaids and all sorts of shit by the time the sun rose the morning of the wedding. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like that, man. It was um, it was extraordinary. I love that. That's beautiful. It was. So call your friends. That was one. Yep. But two, figure out good rituals. Figure out rituals that bring people you love together. Because that's another big one. Yeah, there's enough love in this world. We just have to make sure folks that are not connected can find some way into it. And we would have a better place with that simple improvement. So put your fucking machine guns away. No, we won't put that. Sweet. Wow. And I didn't cry completely, so that was nice. You manage. Well, our funky music means one thing. This is the end of another fine episode of The Drunken Taoist. I thought that covered a lot of great stuff. The um, the levels of loneliness have blown me away. We knew it was bad. When you're talking 1 in 7 and 1 in 10. Yeah. Um, and almost an impossible thing to tackle. And I've we pondered this for about a week and a half from when we recorded it. Yeah. And all it does is vex me even worse because there, there's no great solution to it. And our society doesn't seem to give a single shit. So... Yeah, it's about really redesign. And not all cultures are like that. Granted, this is a kind of where it's going globally. But depending on where you travel, you may experience places that to different degrees are really not like this. And it's when you do, it's 
it's hard to conceive of anything. Like it's hard to imagine that life moved away from that because that's what nourishes human beings. Well, and it's just funny, and I don't think we mentioned this. Just something that came to me, but they, uh, the the book Tribe by Sebastian yeah. Unger, the notion that our hunter gatherer days, the two capital punishments were for greed and for cowardice, mm-hmm. and it seems these days those are the things that run our society. Right, and speaking of uh, Tribe, Sebastian Younger, one of the points he makes, which is insane, is how some guys even get to like war, and why? And partially is because of the camaraderie, because they are going to get friends in the trenches in a way that they are never going to be able to get in real life, which is not the greatest if if you need to go to war to get friends that's not the greatest commentary on uh, where the society you come from is heading <laughs> on that happy note thanks for listening i hope everybody has a great holiday <clears throat> and 2023 here we come who knows what's next Ta-da. one day the rod shall teach you d-b-o-l-e-l-l-i Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli, that's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1, R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Let's go to rehearsal. We're rolling this one. Oh.